Hi, everyone. Welcome to Reluctantly Adult, an advice podcast for people who believe they shouldn't be allowed to adult. I'm your host, Charmel Scipio, and I reluctantly adult. Yeah, adulting got in the way of uh, March, so uh, I'm glad to be back. I'm glad you guys have come back with me. Um, And for April, we are talking about travel. This month, I have a number of very, very interesting um, interviews with different people about their travel experiences, how they choose where they're going, how they get there, Um, definitely focusing on cost, uh, because I know that that can be prohibitive for some folks, and just really digging into, you know, how they approach um, travel and their travel goals. Today, I talk with Tracy Coleman. Uh, Tracy gives us some insight into uh, her travel philosophy, uh, which may sound a little familiar. (laughs) The accidental way that she became a travel blogger and how the way people perceive the United States um, may affect their want to actually travel here. Uh, We had a really, really fun conversation and I am so glad that I got to talk to her and I hope that you all enjoy. Welcome to Reluctantly Adult. Please introduce yourself to the people. Hi, people. My name is Tracy Coleman, um, and also known as Brooklyn Travel Addict, which is my blog. I have been um, traveling since I was probably born, but (laughs) I've been writing about it um, for about five years now. Mm -hmm. Wow, five years has gone by. Um, And the whole purpose is to sort of bring people along on journeys that they may not be able to do on their own. A lot of folks can't travel very often or feel for whatever reason they can't get to certain places. And so the only reason I even share is because I feel like it's sort of allowing other people to come with me mm-hmm. um, and experience it through my story. So that's why I do it. That's awesome. Like, that's really nice for you to say, well, I'm writing about this so that other people can sort of experience this vicariously if, if they, you know, don't necessarily have the means to do it on their own at this time. So that that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. People say, you know, and just my writing style is storytelling. Mm-hmm. And so what people always tell me is they feel like, oh, I feel like I was there with you. And so and that's just the nature of the way I write. Right. And so, you know, that that gives me sort of the reward and, and the idea that they're able to sort of, quote unquote, come with me on the on the trip. So what is it that that sort of motivates you to travel? Why? Why do you do it? I don't really think about it. It's it's just something I've always done. I mean, I think part of it was when I moved to New York, which was about 10 or 11 years ago, mm-hmm. um, it was the first time I was far away from family and friends. You know, I'm from South Carolina. My, I went to school in Florida. And so that's where the bulk of people I know um, were at the time in Atlanta as well, because I used to live in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And so when I moved to New York, I started traveling because I needed to see my people. So I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm always on a plane for somebody's best red or a wedding or a family reunion or a holiday. Um, and then from then it became, you know, oh, we're going to do this little, you know, make my sorrows get together. We go on a trip. And it just from there started growing. And then um, my sister married into a Ghanaian family and I went to Ghana. And then from there, I don't know, something about going to, to Africa makes you want to see more, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I think that sparked me doing more international trips. Um, and then lately in the past few years, the sort of black travel movement has, has sort of picked up steam mm-hmm. and the information that's available to allow you to go on trips um, that you 
either wouldn't know about or couldn't afford is a lot. It's a lot more. So right now I'm looking for a ticket to Bali. I want to pay full price, but I may be able to catch a glitch fare. So because of the movement and the information being shared every day online, um, I'm actually able to do a lot more international traveling um, than I ever did before. But it's, yeah, it's not something I'm like, oh, I have to go to this many places in a year. Like, I don't think about it like that. I think Mm -hmm. about, you know, what do I want to see this year? You know, where, where, what do I want to experience this year? It's not the same every year. Some years I want to slow down, you know, right. um, other years I go on five trips in one year. It just depends on, on what I want to see uh, in that moment. So let's talk about the, the, the black travel experience. That's, that's sort of uh, picking up in, in gaining steam um, that, that you were obviously a part of, like you, you are a part of this community. Um, and one of the voices sort of, uh, broadcasting within it to to kind of give a glimpse into it. So can you can you kind of talk about what it's what it's like to be a part of it and sort of uh, when you feel that it that it really started to gain steam and and what it is basically. Um, so the movement is sort of a collective of a couple different groups that mm-hmm. sort of popped up around the same time. I give them all within the last five years. Okay. Um, and um, the first one I became um, involved with was Nomadish Travel Tribe. And at the time, it was a small, you know, small Facebook group, like 300 people, I think, when I started. We had a little meetup. We're like, oh, we're so cool. Other people will travel. We're black. We're <laughs> awesome. Um, and then, you know, and I wasn't even that active. Like, you know, I kept in contact with the founder, Evita Robinson, because we were both nominated for Best Travel Blog the year before. And so I was like, okay, I'll support this. This is cool. I'm down for it. And then that started growing like exponentially, like month by month, more and more people wanted to join, more and more people talking every day. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but even still, I wasn't all that involved. I was kind of like, wow, this is kind of cool, you know? And then, you know, I think Travel Noir came in, you know, and they're, they're seems like the way they do business is a little bit different. They have mm-hmm. a website, all this article, so I started writing for them. So I wrote for them, you know, they have a lot of great content. They started getting more and more people wanting to write for them. So they have a ton of resources for people who want to learn how to travel, you know, around the world. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, in the past two years, so many new groups up in the air life is another one. There's black travel conferences. I mean, it's just now that you, it's like a snowball that's gained steam now. And so I think that what's happened in the past, maybe two years is that mainstream media is picking up on it. So now you're seeing articles in the Huffington Post and the New York Times and, and um, you're seeing, you know, huge conferences pop up. And I think that that's when it becomes something that sort of everybody knows about mm-hmm. versus before, you know, we've always been here. Tra- Black travelers have always been out there, always been on planes. Um, but I think the cool part is that the, the, the few that knew how to do it before are sharing now. Mm-hmm. And those who think they couldn't do it feel like they can. And so I, to me, that's the biggest benefit of the travel movement is mm-hmm. that People are seeing more of the activity and like, oh, wow, maybe I can do it, too. And that's to me, that's the best part of it. Right. And do you think that like technology has had like a huge played a huge role in that in sort of being able to to bring these communities together? Absolutely. I mean, even even like Facebook is great. And that's where everybody is, like whether you're a grandma or you're like, you know fresh out of college, you mm-hmm. have a Facebook account. Right. Um, but I think that what's cool is, you know, things like Instagram, which is, it isn't even new, but it's something that a lot of people do have. And, and a lot of where the inspiration happens is on Instagram. So that's, you know, not that old. And then Snapchat takes it a step further. And it's like, you're having your own little reality show and you're constantly sharing and checking in and, and every single step on your journey can be shared if you want to mm-hmm. um, on Snapchat. So I think that 
because people are always connected now, mm-hmm. um, that's very different from what it used to be, where even when I went to Ghana, it was like, you go, you take some pictures, you post them on Facebook, you know, do an album, which few <laughs> people do anymore, post a whole album of pictures mm-hmm. and you're done. And now it's like you can get the entire play by play from the time you step on the plane to the time you land through social media um, without ever st- writing a blog post or, or ever going on Facebook. You can do all these other apps um, to get your story out, which is how people sort of create spaces for themselves, mm-hmm. whether they're Snapchatters or vloggers or Periscopers or whatever they are. There's something to allow people sort of to shine in their own way, which is really, really cool. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's that's the one of the things that that sort of drew me to you, because I'm going to be honest, uh, some days I don't want to read. I'm just, I'm just lazy. I'm just, right. <laughs> I'm just super, super lazy. Uh, you know, but I found your Instagram and I was just blown away. Like, first of all, your pictures are so super crystal clear. And I'm like, she cannot possibly be taking these pictures on an iPhone. Like, this is, <laughs> this is, this is not true. These are falsehoods, untruths. Uh, it is no, believe it. Those are mostly, I would say a good 90% of the pictures you see on my Instagram are taken on my iPhone 6. Really? Done. Because it's easy. Like, it's easier to take pictures on my camera phone, you know, and I'm done, just post it. Now, yep. the pictures on my camera are much better. And so I'm trying to do a better job of getting them off my camera and into um, the digital world because, right. you know, I have to hook up the whole Wi-Fi thing. It's just, I have to do better about that. But what you're seeing on Instagram now is mostly from my phone. That's incredible. Like, I I must be failing then at using my iPhone because my no, pictures are blurry <laughs> and it's just not focused. Like, your pictures, I'm just like, wow, so she has this photographer following her around? No. Or, like, I'm no, like, no, oh. That'd be awesome, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, awesome. she, her, she has, like, one of those $2,000 cameras. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. No, I don't. It's on my list, though, to get a good camera. But well, I will say this. I am an art director. So, by trade, I'm an art director. Okay. So, I know how to... I know how to frame a picture. I know what makes a good picture. And I also know how to edit a picture. I see. E- even if it is on my phone. So that I will say that. But as far as a photographer or a special camera, nope, just my phone. And, you know, lots and lots of shots. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there are actually 200 pictures behind that one perfect shot. Exactly. If you oh, on well, my phone, you would see 20 of the same picture and then 20 of another picture to get that one. Then you edit that one. And then, boom, we're on Instagram. But... <laughs> You know, that it is what it is. Yeah. So that makes me feel better then. Okay. All right. That's, yeah. that's fine. I'm, I, and then, then the, pro, the, the possible issue then is that I'm probably just lazy and I'm just like, oh, that's, that's one good enough picture. Fine. You, you get the point. Yeah. yeah. You have to be that person that's like, okay, just one more time. Okay. Wait, no, the light's better over here. Like, and it's so <laughs> annoying when it's not a selfie, when it's somebody else, you're like, oh, wait, wait, just, okay, let me do it again. It's just like, <laughs> I know you hate me right now, but you know, when you are a, a blogger, you know, you kind of have, I'm not going to say responsibility, but you mm-hmm. want to show your best pictures. And so it does take multiple takes usually, um, you know, not I'm exaggerating with 20, but sometimes it is, you know, five to 10 to get the one you want. So, um, yes, if I were a little bit lazier, I'd be like, and I have been times where I'm like, you know what, today I'm not taking pictures. I'm just not. I'm just <laughs> going to enjoy it. Cause you have to find a balance between enjoying the trip and the moment right. and taking pictures of it. Right. And that's another thing I've, I've learned to find a, a middle ground on. Let's talk about you. You mentioned your, your blog. So let's, and, and that's one of the reasons that I have you on is because you are a travel blogger. 
first of all, I found you through a BuzzFeed article and um, no, I'm excuse me. I'm sorry. Clutch magazine article. Um, mm-hmm. And I went through. Oh and I was gosh, like, that was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. And I, I was still just- get traffic from that article. It must be like high in Google searches for like black travel bloggers because that was like at least five years ago. And I still get people re- referencing it. It's literally like number two. When you type in like so black funny. travel like bloggers or, or like black travel nomads or what have you, it literally yeah. comes up as like the second or third. Who knew? Result. I always wonder like why are people still reading that? But it's got to be Google. I mean, that's good for Clutch because they're not nearly as active as they used to be, but people are still finding their content. So exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I went through there and I just I liked your approach. Like your approach was so like you were just very airy about it. Like you were just like, listen. I'm going to tell you, I ran out of money in Cuba. Huh? Yeah. Uh, this is I, something that happened to me. <laughs> you know, and I, and I really appreciate that because as someone who has run out of money in other countries, it's really like, whew, what is going to happen to me? Because there are a lot of things that I didn't foresee happening. Right. I mean, I think that that's sort of my my angle and my spin on my blog because there's a million travel bloggers out there um, and there's some really great ones. Um, but a lot of what they do is talk about this place they went to and what you should do when you get there and how to do this. And those sorts of things get you, um, definitely get, you know, you hits and searches and all that good stuff because people want to know how to do things you're doing, which is great. So I do do some of those, but I think what makes me different is I used to, I keep it a little bit realer and talk about where things went wrong. And like, you're not going to believe I got like, I have a story coming out mm-hmm. soon. I write it about how I got stuck in Brazil and like things like that make the, make the experiences real. Um, mm-hmm. And I find that the more real I am with my experience, you know, everything's not going to be great. Every vacation is not awesome. You know, I think the more real you are, um, the more people appreciate when you do speak about whatever experience it is. So, you said that the reason that you, you know, you do blog is because you want other people to feel sort of connected to the experience that you're having, as well as experience it for themselves, basically through your eyes in, in case they don't have the opportunity to do it themselves. Um, but how how did it actually come along? Was it a situation where you were doing it just just for yourself or like your friends and your family? Or did you specifically have sort of the idea to say no I'm planning my flag as a travel blogger and and then I'm going to go for the gusto from there um no I I it kind of accidentally happened like I just I went to Ghana um and I know my memory is really bad (laughs) and so I was like okay I can go to Africa for the first time and people will come I'll come back home and people will say, well, how was your trip? And I'll say, it was great. And like, that's it. Like, you right. did, it was awesome. And I had this dish one time and then I saw this thing and like, literally that's it. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was going to be there for a good 10 days. I didn't want that to happen. And so I started writing only because I wanted to remember the trip. And so I think back then it was blogger. I put up a blogger account, mm-hmm. started sharing and um, people kept asking what's next. And I'm like, what? What do you mean what's next? <laughs> I was like, what are you going to do tomorrow? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, and it became this this need or, or want to know what was next. And when I came home, people were like, well, where are you going next? And I was like, uh, and I happen to be going to Trinidad Carnival. Right. Like a month, two months later, I was going to Trinidad Carnival for the first time. And so from there, it just took off. Um, and it really wasn't this desire to, oh, one day I'm going to be a travel blogger. Mm-hmm. It was a desire to remember what 
you know, what the hell did I do when I was there, you know? And, and now I go back and there's things, there's no way I would have remembered that moment or that emotion if I had written it down. Right. Um, and so that's why I started. And part of why I continue is just so that, you know, you can take a few pictures, but you don't write down, you know, I saw this little girl in a restaurant. She was looking at me like, you're not going to remember that stuff right. when you get home. You know, it's the big stuff you remember. So part of my blogging initially was just to sort of remember what, you know, what even went on when I was on this trip. Absolutely. And, you know, what it does is is also kind of puts context around some of the more intimate moments that you have with sort of the, the culture around you. Um, because mm-hmm. like you said, like you'll remember riding in a hot air balloon over exactly. you know rice patties or something like you'll remember that but it's sort of like you said sitting in a local cafe and interacting with the people around you and and giving a little context around that that makes that makes the blog a little bit more interesting compared to um you know some other travel bloggers that just say you know list out ways to do something what to mm-hmm. do while you're there and it it usually tends to hit the same notes of these are these are the paths more usually traveled by expats when they're in X place, um, right? And and that's definitely something that that I appreciate about your blog because, like you said, it it does make you feel like you're there. It it helps you feel like you understand the people that are there, um, and it helps you understand how you could possibly fit in that in that space. And and that's and that's good to know. Because sometimes I don't know if people feel as though they fit sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Like it just, you know, I think that if if anything, I think whether you're a travel blogger or a fashion blogger or a, you know, whatever, a tech blogger, I think that there's 10 of you, you know, who started before you and there's 20 more coming behind you. Right. And I think that, you know, you do have to find your place, you know, and and it may feel like you don't fit, but you have to just kind of go with it. And I think the root of what it is is going to be some sort of passion for what you're doing. And for everybody else, you know, some other bloggers may want to really teach, you know, this is how you travel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just not my thing. And, you know, my thing is more about like, this is what it feels like to be there. Um, and that's sort of where I live. You know, I love food. So I do occasionally <laughs> share a little bit about what I'm eating um, and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it, it really should just be rooted in, in what you really care about. So let's talk more about that. Let's talk about um, the different ways that that when you get to a place and we'll later on, we'll talk about how you decide where you go. But mm-hmm. when you get there, like, how do you decide to to get into the culture? Like, what different ways do you use to, to get a better experience in that regard? Well, the, the first thing is that I actually... I stay in neighborhoods instead of hotels a lot. Um, I discovered Airbnb mm-hmm. years ago. I'm actually an Airbnb host. So when I travel, you know, for more than say four or five days, I rent my place out in New York and I tend to stay in someone's home in whatever city I'm staying in. Mm-hmm. And what that does is it makes you feel like you live there instead of you're visiting, you know, in a hotel, you know, they're barely the same across the world. Uh, if you're staying at a certain level of hotel and you're treated as if you were a tourist. Right. Um, and when you're staying in a home, you know, your host will often tell you, oh, this coffee shop down the street's really good, or you can get great food here, or make sure you go to this um, this street fair on Tuesdays. Like, you get the inside scoop on, on that, that neighborhood and that city in a way you don't get at a hotel, which will tell you, you know, the top-rated restaurants in the city and the tourist traps and all that good stuff. Um, so I love staying in Airbnb homes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, I do like exploring things solo. Mm-hmm. So if I'm on a group trip, I do like to give myself, you know, some time either before or after, 
or just take a day, like if it's a free day, just do a day on my own um, and go, just, just go sort of wander, <laughs> you know, go out in the neighborhood, take pictures, stop at a coffee shop, you know, wander into a, a dance performance. Mm-hmm. Like that is what I feel like when I'm most connected to the city is when I'm not on a tour or in a hotel or, you know, at a major attraction. Mind you, those things are awesome. When I went to Brazil, I had to see Christ the Redeemer. But, you know, my favorite times were running into, like, there's a huge, like, drumming band downstairs. Right. Where'd they come from? Oh, my gosh, let's go downstairs. You jump into it. It's like, that's, to me, that's a really cool thing because then you're really into the culture mm-hmm. and not necessarily a tourist. Um, and it's hard because, I mean, Believe it or not, you're a tourist regardless. Right. But you may not feel like it if you are sort of on the ground in the nitty gritty areas instead of it's kind of like in New York, there's Times Square and then there's like Crown Heights, you know, right. and, and I think that you can decide which one you want to do. Um, you probably won't have time to do both. Um, so my preference a lot of times is to sort of stay in a home, you know, do on foot tours. Um, and then people, if you know anybody locally or you know somebody who has a friend there, that's a great way, again, to kind of know what's going on in that city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, that actually happened to me um, when I was in Cambodia. Um, a friend of mine, her, her, she still has family members there. Um, so she, you know, reached out to them, let them know that I was coming. And for the four days that I was there, three of the four days that I was there, you know, I got just this sort of incredible, first of all, hospitality of my friend's family sort of opening themselves up to me um, just on the strength of her. And, you know, I got to see the city from sort of a different point of view than if I were to do it as just myself, the individual sort of tourist. Um, Mm -hmm. And also I got homemade food. Like (laughs) It's always way better than going out to some restaurant. Yeah. It's, it's so important to, to, connect to the culture and and just be more aware of sort of just sort of seeing how people use like utensils and how that's not sort of universal and I I I don't know like I was just sort of like oh like when I was in Cambodia I was like I have a spoon and I have a fork there is no knife why is there no knife like it was just sort of things (laughs) like that where you're like what is going on like there's no knife how does this work right um but yeah like I I agree with you I think that sort of uh, implanting yourself in a neighborhood rather than uh, in a hotel is definitely a better way of just to even get a better better rhythm of, of what's happening around you because you observe things differently from the view from the vantage point of seeming like a citizen rather than seeming like a tourist. Exactly. Exactly. So I want to understand like what is what is your travel philosophy? Gosh, my travel philosophy. Um, I think that I'm just like, and I, this is like totally biting off Nike, but like, <laughs> just do it. Like, just, just like, I think people get caught up with like, well, how and the money and, and, and responsibilities. And I fully understand that mm-hmm. there are certain things that are truly valid. Like, you know, I have a sick parent or I have a toddler or, you know, things are crazy at home, but I wish, I wish, I wish. And I think that those stories are valid. Mm -hmm. Um, But who I'm speaking to is people who feel like they, they either have to save up for years or don't have enough vacation days or don't know where to start or whatever. And I think that you have to just, just do it. 
Like, mm-hmm. just book the flight. I tell people, the first thing you do is put it on your calendar. Like, put this weekend or these four days on the calendar. And that way it's real. And it becomes like, okay, I'm going somewhere during that time. Right. Um, because the thing is, you're never going to go anywhere if you don't just book something. Like, I think you'll wait to the perfect flight price. You'll wait to the perfect time. And there is no perfect time. So just do it. Just go look it up now, put your vacation time in now, even if it's like a year from now, mm-hmm. like put it in now and then make it happen. Because if you don't, you'll be saying the same thing two years from now. Oh, I wish I had gone this place. Um, so yeah, I just, I just really don't put a lot of thought into travel. I know that sounds irresponsible, <laughs> but I just go, I just like, you know, if I see like, I want to like, say again, I want to go to Bali and the grill actually mm-hmm. um, this year. And if I see a ticket that's, you know, I can just put in my budget, I'm going to go. Do I know anybody in Bali? No. Do I know where to stay? Absolutely not. I know nothing except for the fact that I want to experience the culture. Mm-hmm. And then once you decide you want to be there, then you'll, the universe and you will find ways to make that happen. And so the money will come, you know, the time will come, you'll plan for it. Um, but you have to decide to do it first mm-hmm. before anything else happens. And so once you make that decision, just make it happen. Okay. So you bring up a good point. So that, that leads me to, to sort of ask, what is your travel routine? Because if you're, if your philosophy is just do it, then what does it look like when Tracy is just doing it? Just doing it is is last year when Etihad had a travel glitch on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. So mind you, nobody's trying to be worried about flights or anything but family on Christmas Day. It was seven o'clock in the morning, and I'm getting text messages about, um, "Oh my God, you gotta buy this flight!" I was like, "What? It's Christmas. I'm going back to bed." And I was like, "No, no, 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 no! Get on, get on!" It was about like maybe half an hour an hour later i'm waking up and i'm seeing more text messages and more stuff on facebook and i'm like what's going on and within an hour and a half i had purchased two flights one to india and one to south africa mm-hmm. and i had i think we had i think a day 24 hours to cancel um so i had a little bit of a grace period but that is what it means when you see the opportunity go for it i had no idea how many vacation days i needed i didn't know i didn't know how much like i knew i could afford the tickets because they were cheaper right um but i didn't know where i was staying i didn't know hardly anything. I just knew that I had a ticket booked, my friends had their tickets booked, and we're going to figure it out. Um, so that's, you know, it's not always how it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would totally do that again. If somebody called me today, like after I finished this call, and they're like, hey, there's a, a, you know, a really cheap fare to whatever, we're all going. I'm like, bet I'm there. You know, right. I think that that's, now granted, I'm a single woman. So I think that that makes it easier for me. Um, but like I said, if it's, if you have those responsibilities, you know, it takes a little bit more planning, mm-hmm. but the idea that you are going to go and you put it on your calendar or put money in the bank towards that is the first step. Um, so I think that's, that's the case, you know, and for me, I'm actively looking for stuff now. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I see it, I'll book it. Cool. End of story. <laughs> done and done. <laughs> so uh, then let me let me sort of come back to uh, the the sort of planning for it because, you know, like we like we've already mentioned, you know, for some people traveling feels inaccessible. And this is outside of people like we already noted that, you know, may have a sick parent or may have a young child that they feel, you know, isn't necessarily ready to travel. Uh, mm-hmm. But other people feel that the reason that it's inaccessible is because it just feels 
really, really um, expensive. Now, I was on your site and you sort of linked out to a uh, Google Hangout that you did um, with a a group of other people that were talking about different like saving strategies and approaches Mm -hmm. to, you know, how you can make your your travel dreams sort of come true. Um, Mm -hmm. Basically, what I got from that is like an underlying little bit, just a little bit of discipline is all you need. Um, But could you sort of... um, you know, go in, go in a little deeper about some strategies that people can employ to, to sort of save up for their trip. Sure. So for me, it's part discipline and part hustle because mm-hmm. I am not disciplined at all. So <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah, me and money, they, we just, I mean, we have a love hate relationship right. and the whole saving thing and budget thing, like it doesn't work out for me. So I have to be disciplined and hustle. So the discipline piece means when there's large trips, um, like my most expensive is probably Trinidad Carnival, Mm -hmm. um, which is, gosh, $2,000, I would guess, Mm -hmm. all in with everything. Um, So that's not something I just have lying around in my checking account, Mm -hmm. right? So I tend to save up monthly for that. So I would suggest a bit of trip that's, you know, a couple months worth of, you know, your, your savings, your salary or whatever, you don't just have it lying around, mm-hmm. um, put a little bit aside every month. And I have a travel account, a travel savings account. So you have your checking account, your, you know, real life grown up adult savings account, and then you have your travel fund. Um, in my travel fund, it could be $50 a month. It could be a hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. It could be whatever you can afford every month to come out of your check. Um, and that way, by the time that trip comes, you've pretty much either paid it off or you have a very small amount left to pay. Right. Um, you'll pull out from it, you know, throughout the year, like, oh, now it's time to buy the flight. Okay, now it's time to book the hotel. Um, but every every check, you have money coming out. You know, it, it could be small. Mm-hmm. I have a friend that was like $14 a, a week or something. She was, you know, whatever. She calculated what she needed, broke it out by how many months we had to the trip, and that's how she paid for it. Mm-hmm. So that's a discipline. I mean, that, you know, it's another bill you have to pay. Right. A separate account for it. You don't touch it. Um, and my account is a savings, one of those like orange direct whatever like somewhere yep. off in the clouds somewhere that's hard to get to <laughs> and so that makes it harder for me to get to that money because it takes three days and there's no real physical place i can go to get that money so right. it's far away hard to get to and that works for me on top of that i hustle so i like i said airbnb is largely because i need extra money for my trips and so when i'm gone i have somebody you know i've had airbnb pay for entire trips because i've rented out my place for over a week mm-hmm. um so i do that um back in the day i would hustle concert tickets <laughs> i've like i've done it all to like get extra money you know and i think that you know if there's any anything you can do on the side whether mm-hmm. it's a side hustle or things you sell or whatever i think that you know or you know save up from your tax refund like you just hustle to get the money from wherever you can right um those two things together will usually give you enough money to do almost any trip cool yeah the the hustle the hustle has to be real like i I think i think that's definitely something that was um that was evident in in the video and i'll make sure that i i link it on my website is that you you have to have some discipline to be able to do it um and and there was a guy on there that said that he worked two full-time jobs for six months in order to like be able to to fund his traveling for like the next couple months following that and i was just mm-hmm. like i don't know if i have that much hustle like i'm trying to think i don't know if i can hustle that hard I don't, like, yeah, i don't like, think i can do two full-time i have done i've done yeah i've done two full-time jobs 
or was it full-time or two, one full-time and two part-time actually when I was in school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do know what that feels like when you have a goal at the time it was a degree, you know, but yep. I think that if you have the hustler mentality, if something's important to you, like, you know, I want to go to Asia for the first time in my life um, to see my grandparents. So whatever, like whatever your goal is, mm-hmm. I think that that will make you hustle harder. So, you know, whether it's two full-time jobs, yeah, that's extreme, but I think that it it may be different for somebody else who has the opportunity to pick up an extra freelance project or um, some people I know are photographers. They can do a couple extra photo shoots mm-hmm. or, you know, just a couple extra things. Um, don't kill yourself, obviously, trying right. to get the money, um, but a little that extra hustle will get you that money faster. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't I don't know how strong the hustle is in me. Uh, for certain <laughs> stuff, but I, I know my hustle is definitely not strong enough to work two full time jobs. Yeah, that's a lot. Because then your life is not fun, you know. No, it's just like, not I'm not at sure all. if that's worth it. Not at all. So uh, let me ask you some questions, just from your your point of view as like as a black woman mm-hmm. <laughs> who writes sure. about travel. Uh, I'm pretty black. <laughs> 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 that melanin, though, like it's it's strong with this one. Yeah, um, man. So sort of how how has your blackness been received, you know, in, in the different countries that you've been to? Yeah, I don't it's it's every country is different. Mm-hmm. Um and I I feel like what's interesting is that I feel the most um the most sort of racist experiences I've had mm-hmm. have been in the United States. Um so I feel like I don't see it as much when I travel mm-hmm. more so than I do when I'm say down south. Right. So I feel like, you know, people who are afraid that th- their blackness won't be well received in other countries it really just depends on the place. You know, I think right. that um, one of the countries that wasn't as welcoming, you know, was Paris. But I don't think it's because I was black. I just think because it's rude as hell. Like, right. it's just rude because you don't speak French. And so I never took that as racism. Uh, mm-hmm. I took it as like, this is their culture. They don't like you. You don't speak French. And that's that's the deal. Um, I think that my blackness was probably the most obvious when I was in India. Um, I was in Jaipur, India last mm-hmm. year. And you do start to feel like a spectacle because that's one of those countries that is not as diverse as, say, a, a Paris or, or a London. And so seeing a group of black people, people stare. Yeah. Um, and so I think that the staring... Um, I didn't feel it as a, I was inferior in any way. It felt like, you know, if, if you live in a country, you never see something else, then, you know, that's weird. You know, I have a, I have a friend that moved to Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. He's black, six foot five and has dreadlocks. And I think that yeah. his experience and, and I think it was in China. And he literally said for the first month or two, people wanted to take pictures with them, mm-hmm. like stared at them, pointed. And the thing is, it's not necessarily like, oh, there's something wrong with you is that we've never seen you before. Right. And so you have to learn a difference between we've never seen you before, you're interesting, and, and or, or you're inferior and you're not welcome. And I've never felt you're inferior, you're not welcome mm-hmm. pretty much anywhere. I have felt, though, like a spectacle, like almost want to touch my hair a little bit, like, just like a little bit of that. Oh, goodness, um, yeah. But, but I've never felt like, yeah, the the feelings I've gotten of real racism in the South in the United States, mm-hmm. I don't 
I haven't had that abroad. So I think it's cool going somewhere else. Could you show people what Black America really is like? Yeah. Um, outside of what they see on the Housewives or on, <laughs> you know, that everybody's a, a basketball player. Right. You know, I think that people or a video chick, like I'm not a video chick. I don't have long weave or a massive booty. Like this right. is what a Black woman could look like on a regular day in America, not on TV. You know, so I think Absolutely. that's also helpful for them to see that what they see on TV may not be what black America really is like. Absolutely. I mean, I, I lived in India for four months and it was, uh, it was a very interesting experience because I lived in, in Southern India. So the irony was that there were people just as Brown as me. Yeah. Some of them even Browner. And it's just like, exactly. We look the same, but you're you're (laughs) staring at me. Like, what's, what's happening here? And I did actually have, um, an incident Two, actually, two incidents in which people wanted to touch my hair. Uh, mm-hmm. One was at um, one was at the Taj, and uh, this woman, like, she just sort of was behind me and just sort of just like tried to reach up to touch my hair. And uh, one of my classmates was there, and he was just like, "No!" Like he just shouted, "No!" And like mm-hmm. everybody froze for a second. And, like, <laughs> like, are we scared though? Yeah, like so everyone like froze for a second. And like once we got out into like the courtyard, he was just like, "Yeah, that lady was trying to touch your hair." I was like, I was wondering what you were yelling no for. I was like, I thought it was just so random. Um, he was like. It, it was just funny that at that and he was like this tall like white guy and I, it, then in the back of my mind like I was just like have I trained people to know that you shouldn't <laughs> be doing this to the point they're doing it on my behalf right like it was pretty funny but then I also had someone at like India's version of TSA search my hair before I got onto a flight and I was just yeah, like, yeah, that I'm kind of used to. I was like, I don't know if this is because it's actually necessary or because all you right. just want to touch my hair. <laughs> touch like, because like all it, of yeah. a sudden, like three other agents came over. I was like, um, I they don't... were probably just curious because it doesn't take three to check your hair. It takes right. <laughs> it, take, it takes one. Like, and my yeah. roommate, she had like big, big natural hair, too. So like she was up after me and we were like, where where do we want to put this on the scale? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to feel about this, really. It doesn't bother me. I, it honestly doesn't bother me as long as it's rooted in curiosity. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times it is, you know, I, I, I feel like, yeah, it's just I've never seen this before. I've never touched this before. What mm-hmm. is this? You know, and I think that's a lot of it. I'm not saying it's always the case, yep. um, but a lot of it, I think, is curiosity. So you can't always be on the defensive, you know, looking for to pull out your weight race card because it's not always racism. <laughs> right, like, right. Absolutely. Curious, you know, so I Absolutely. think that, um, yeah, and, and again, it could be the countries I've been to, the cities I've been to, the neighborhoods I've been to, like everything is different because mm-hmm. um, even like in South Africa, they say it's pretty racist. Um, but I didn't have that experience because I was in a fairly diverse neighborhood that's mm-hmm. pretty progressive. So it really just depends on where you are. Um, right. But I wouldn't use that as something to be fearful of um, because honestly, when I travel, people are more concerned about me in America than they are in their country. We've been asked, right. like, we asked the guy in South Africa, like, why have you never been to New York? Have you never come to the United States? And he was like, I'm afraid I'll get shot. <laughs> he literally said right. he was afraid he was going to get shot. And I stood there and I was like, oh my gosh, because all you see on the news is people getting shot for no reason and you're a black man. And so I think that it's real that people are so worried about other countries being black. It's like, no, we kill people on the street in America. So I think that 
people in other countries are afraid to come here. Mm hmm. You know, so think about that. Yeah. And I, I don't think I've ever <laughs> I've ever thought about that, honestly. Like, I, and I guess that's sort of my sort of American imperialist mind of why wouldn't you want to come to America? It's yeah, great. Man. People um, are like scared, especially black black men. You know, if you're black and a man in another country. Yeah. I think that's more so your concern. Absolutely. Um, if you're a woman, you know, I don't hear that as much from women, but the fear is there. That's crazy. Like I've I've never I've never thought of it that way. And now you make me want to like reach out to some like international <laughs> travelers, travelers that kind of come to the states to say, "Would you want to talk to me about this?" Because, you know, honest to God, like until you said that, I had I had never really thought of it the the other way. Um in part because it's never necessarily been a need to as, you know, I'm exporting myself somewhere else. Um mm-hmm. And never necessarily having to interact with tourists that are coming in because, like you said, I live in a neighborhood where tourists don't, they're, they're just right. not here. Nobody um, comes. Ex- exactly. So, yeah, that's, hmm, thank you, Tracy. It's interesting. And it comes up when people ask me, like, say there's civil unrest in Egypt, you know, mm-hmm. and people are like, oh, my gosh, don't go to Egypt. And I'm like, hmm. And I think something was happening when I was in Tanzania. There was some place I went, people were like, oh my God, something such and such just happened over there. And I'm like, sure, but think about America. Okay, so I live in New York. Mm-hmm. Let's say there's a shooting in, you know, Mississippi or St. Louis. I'm in New York. I'm fine. Right. The unrest is in St. Louis. And so I think that when you say it like that, it's like, oh, right. The whole country is not in an uproar in a civil war. Mm-hmm. Is this this one state or this one city that's having issues? And so people tend to sort of, blanket the whole country is yep. sort of in an uproar if if a bomb went off in 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 la i'm actually okay in new york you know right. so it's like you got to see it like that and and granted sometimes yes you should probably cancel your flight because it's i mean shit's popping off right but you know in a lot of cases no it's an isolated incident yes it was horrible yes people died but it may not be the whole country you know so just really do your research into what you're where you're going and how that specific city is affected by whatever's going on in the country mm-hmm. so you said that you are single and sometimes you like peel off of your groups uh, to, to be, you know, to explore by yourself. Do you ever mm-hmm. feel sort of self-conscious about, about doing that in, in other countries? Um, totally depends on where I am. Okay. Um, so there's some cities where I have been a little on edge. Um, I was in Johannesburg and everybody who I spoke with about going to Johannesburg said, Oh my gosh, be careful. Oh my gosh, it's dangerous. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And I'm just like, okay. So it was ingrained in me to be a little mm-hmm. nervous. And so I didn't feel, I felt okay. Honestly, most of the time during the day, you know, cause it was like, all right, I live in Brooklyn. Like, I, you know, I, I can do this. Right. But I think that because I've been told so many times to be careful, um, I got caught after dark one time. I tried to come home by dark mm-hmm. and I got, I wanted to go see the sunset um, on the Nelson Mandela bridge and the sun set and then I realized I was out and it was dark and I'm by myself and I was actually legit scared. I was mm-hmm. like, Oh my gosh, this is what they're talking about. I'm gonna get robbed. Like, you know? <laughs> and it was like, I was fine, but I was nervous for a good 20 minutes. So I found an Uber and went home. And I think that those are the only times where I feel like a little on edge. If mm-hmm. the people have warned me specifically about, you know, a city they've heard about things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, most of, if it's like I'm going through the Caribbean, I'm on a resort or like it's, you know, if it's 
a heavily tourist town, I actually feel fine. It's and, and being a woman, you know, I'm I'm a smart traveler. I know mm-hmm. how to travel. I don't have like a huge fanny pack and a DSLR camera around my neck. Right. Like I just, you know, I try to look like, for the most part, like I belong there. And if not, I look like I know what I'm doing. Right. Um, it's only when I'm in those places, like India, I would actually never travel by myself in Jaipur specifically, mm-hmm. um, just because it's just not quite as safe as a woman there. Right. Um, so you just have to research your place and find out, you know, if it's safe if to be alone. Um, it doesn't mean you don't go, you just be a little smarter. Right. Absolutely. So- I actually have tips on my blog about traveling, more, a whole post on like traveling solo. Uh, there's tons of little things you can do to uh, make yourself safer. Cool. I, and I will make sure that I specifically put a, a link to that um, mm-hmm. for for the safety tips, because I think that I think there are some things that that expressly have to be said, es- especially from like a woman and then a woman of color, because sometimes there are specific considerations that mm-hmm. are being taken, you know, by you that may not be taken by other cohorts of people. Um and, and well, it's true. Yeah. It's true. A black woman are a little, I mean, we got a little curve here. We got a little going on with our figures. <laughs> a little bit. So the, yeah. So, like, don't walk around in spandex. Like, mm-hmm. just think, just be smart. Like, you know, if you're in a place that does have a sort of patriarchal society, you know, like India, where people cover up, or in Abu Dhabi, where people cover up, respect the culture, you know? Right. And I think that there are things that I was told to, like, I think I had a skirt on that was fully long, but it was a little translucent. You know, I was told to change. And I think that, you know, somebody else may, they may not have noticed the skirt with a little see-through. You know, right. I think that there's certain things that we can't wear, others can. Um, you know, I saw people in shorts at the Taj Mahal, at the, um, at the Grand Mosque. And I'm like, really? But the way their shorts look, don't look like the way short, my shorts look. Right. So it's like, you kind of, as a Black woman, have to do a little extra mm-hmm. to be modest um, in certain, again, it's only certain cities. Um so you know that in advance and it sucks, but it's just the way we're built. We're awesome. Um, but you kind of got to tone down awesome sometimes. Absolutely. So uh, speaking of, of awesome, you have natural hair and it I is do. big and glorious and ugly. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> how, how do you maintain it? You know, while, while you're on vacation, because it can it can be a lot. <laughs> it can be a lot. Interestingly enough, I just cut my hair. So mm-hmm. <laughs> your last picture is probably not um, as recent. Um, I cut a good bit of my hair off. Um, but I think that part of it is because I want to be able to go faster. Mm-hmm. And so normally when I travel, I do, um, you know, everything from faux locks to twists to whatever. If I'm going to a place where... I don't, I don't have time to deal with my hair. So the mm-hmm. obvious one is carnival. You literally don't sleep. You sleep like two hours a day. And so <laughs> those two hours I have to sleep, I'm not getting up and spending one hour to spend another hour on my hair. I'm just, right. It's just not happening. Um, but when I went to St. Kitts, I wore my natural hair. Um, it, actually, I'd cut it then as well. And it was great. Like, I, you know, didn't do much to it. I brought like wash and go quote unquote products, but mm-hmm. I didn't really bother my hair. Like as long as you have a good cut, mm-hmm. your natural should look good. Even if you're not like to a sting it out every day and putting right. it in a bonnet, like all the stuff you do in your home. I feel like if you're really exploring, you shouldn't be, you know, as focused on perfect hair per mm-hmm. se. That's why I say, you know, get, get a good shape, you know, go to your salon, get a good shape, get a good cut. And once you're there, you know, twist it out one good time before you leave or do whatever you do mm-hmm. before you leave. And then you should be good for a couple of days, you know, and then whatever your next style, you can get, you can wrap it up in like a um, 
fabric, mm-hmm. like updos. But like, I really try not to spend a lot of time my hair wherever I am because that hour or half hour or whatever you're spending on your hair, you could be doing something else. Absolutely, yeah that that is that is definitely true. I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, I always get my hair braided before I leave because it's just yeah. If it's just too much, it's just too much, you know. But it, it, when my hair was longer, yes, it becomes a lot, and then it's like I want to get in the water, so yep, I'll braid it up. Um, but especially when I'm solo or you know, say kiss is my reference. I just did it, but it's you know not a lot of people on the island. It's just me on the beach and some folks I don't know. Like I don't care if my hair is like you know it's just like that serious mm-hmm. it looks okay i'm not worried about being perfect um not nearly as much as i do when i'm home so Absolutely. you know find your balance you know if you need to get it braided up get it braided up you know if you are by yourself or you're not taking much pictures then don't spend the money to do all that just like enjoy yourself you know mm-hmm. absolutely so tracy do you speak another language or other languages plural i understand I can read Spanish. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to say I can speak. I can get by. So if I'm, you know, lost in, you know, a city that only speaks Spanish, I can get by. But I'm not fluent in any other language. And that doesn't have any sort of impact on on your decision to go anywhere. Like you're just like, oh, well. No, it does. It does. I think um, my trips in countries that don't speak any English have mm-hmm. been much more difficult. Um, and that's tough. Um, I think that when you go places... Um, Again, Paris is my reference when some do, but they don't want to. Yep. And it's tough because even signs aren't in English. Nobody wants to speak it. Um, if you don't have your wireless plan to set up to where you can use your data, data then you can't even use Google Translate. So right. it's really hard to communicate. Um, and I find that that's a harder trip. And I have to really want to go somewhere if, mm-hmm. if you know nobody speaks it. Now, a lot of countries I've been to, they speak both. Um, and that's actually my preference. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, you're going to their country. So that's, that's like being mad at somebody coming here and mad at me because I don't speak Spanish. I'm like, well, we're in America. Like we speak English, <laughs> you know, so you can't be mad. Right, right. Um, but just know that if you go to a, a country that doesn't speak English, it's going to be a little bit trickier if you don't have somebody with you to translate. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I was just wondering because I know I, I've been a couple places and I've I've tried to learn, but then I realized like I don't learn things that are helpful. Like I know I learn how to say hi, how are you, and then count to ten, and I'm just like, what are you? What could you possibly be doing that would require you to count right. to ten? Like no, I mean Google Google Translate changes the game. Like absolutely. when I was in Portugal, I mean I'm sorry, I was in um Brazil. Portuguese is not Spanish. I thought I was going to be able to get by because I spoke Spanish. And no, it's different words. It's different construction. I'm like, I don't know how to say this. Somebody help. And so I think if I do that again, I would definitely have a data plan and have Google Translate because it's just like, you can't say anything. And it's right. really, I mean, taxis and, and how to get home and like things like that. If you're going somewhere where you don't speak the language, be sure to have a data plan to be able to look at whatever you need to say. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, when I was in China, God, uh, taxis wouldn't even pick us up. They were like, nope, nope, nope. nope. They can't even <laughs> communicate with you. They're like, how are you going to tell me how to get there? Right. How, how are you? Go- nope. Just, like they would just ride right past mm-hmm. us. And then we would get in the car. And luckily, and, and this is really helpful, is that the, the hotel would give us cards that would say like where we needed to get back to. So we could just give it to the driver. Just give it to them. Right. But even still, if, if you're not going, you know, to your hotel, like you're still kind of like SOL where it's just like, well, guess you better start walking. Like, exactly. <laughs> good luck. 
Um, so yeah, like it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, so sort of what, what has been, you know, a trip or a destination where you were just like, I will never do this again. Oh, wow. Um, what's a place I would never go back to? I mean, and this sounds bad, but I, I'm going to give Paris one more try. But when I left, <laughs> I felt like I could not go back. I right. was just like, I didn't see, I don't see the big deal. Right. You know, I felt like the, the food was a little bland. I felt like the people were not welcoming. Mm-hmm. I was by myself for the, for the one day I was exploring Paris. I was solo. Um, I didn't feel like I got a lot of help. It was just like, you know, and I'm, I'm not super into like architecture or fashion. So mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I was like really connected with the city. Right. Um, I wasn't with a boo. So I was like, this is not romantic. <laughs> and so I was like, I don't get it. You know, so I, I could not go back ever. Um, but I'm gonna give it one more try just because people love it. So I'll try again. Maybe I'll go with a girlfriend who wants to shop till we broke or like right. maybe I'll go on a romantic getaway or something and it'll, it'll feel better. Um, but I'm not pressed at all to ever go back there. And so what's uh, what's a destination or a trip where you're like, this was for me. I love every second of it. And I can't wait to tell everybody else to go here. Um, gosh, those are two different things, actually, because the place that was for me was Johannesburg. Okay. I could like that was the first place I felt like I could live. Oh, wow. um, okay. It felt very much like Brooklyn. Well, where I live in Brooklyn, um, the place I was staying is called Maboneng. And it felt very much like the things I love about Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. um, but still very African um, and different. And I loved it. And I still, to this day, I'm hoping I can go back and spend like a few weeks, if not a month or so, just Mm kind of like working there. Um, And I loved it. I don't think everybody will love it though. Everybody doesn't love Brooklyn like I do. So I think that's a a sort of qualifier for who I would tell to go there. Um, But as far as the place, I would say you have to go. I mean, for people who like to party, I tell right. them you got to do carnival at least once. You got to do carnival once in your life at least. Okay. And then, um, gosh, what's the place people have to, people, a lot of people ask me where to go for like birthdays and vacations. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, my favorite country or country and city is Jamaica. I love Jamaica. Okay. Specifically in the grill. Um, and I just, the food, the music, the people, the vibe. I just love Jamaica, like, so, so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I don't see how to not like it. You know, it's just, it's just, <laughs> I don't know how you could not like something that's so beautiful and right. so awesome. Um, but every place is so different. Like, there's no blanket place I would tell anybody to go, you know, because it's so different. You know, I could tell you to go to Greece. You know, you may hate it. You know, I could tell you to go to Thailand. A lot of folks like Thailand. But if you're not into, like, sort of, you know, being on the street and getting into the culture, you may mm-hmm. not like it. So it's just like, you really have to, I recommend places based on who the person is. Right. Okay. Have you ever had a travel crisis? Yes, I have had a travel crisis. <laughs> um, my gosh. So there's two, the, the, the one real crisis was actually with um, Brazil. Okay. I was in Brazil uh, in January and we were on our way back home. And left Rio, I believe, to go to another city in Brazil before coming back to America. Mm-hmm. And when the plane landed, they're making these announcements in Portuguese. And I didn't understand. I didn't know what was going on. I'm right. like, what? Are we at the wrong gate? Like, I don't understand. 
So we finally get off the plane, still don't understand what's going on, still don't understand why my baggage claim, get my bag, don't know what's going on. Finally find out we landed in another city that's not where we're supposed to be. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, there's no more flights out today. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> and so me and my friend are stranded in Brazil, don't speak Portuguese and do not know where we are right. or how to get back to America. And I was just like, this is probably the craziest thing I've ever dealt with in life. And so we spent like the next five hours trying to find somebody who spoke English, trying to find out how this happened. Mm -hmm. You know, why, why it turned out the airport was shut down. So we couldn't go there. So we went to another place. I'm like, are we even still in Brazil? Like you don't even know where you are. <laughs> so ended up being stuck there for two days, uh, stayed in a hotel Left the day after that out of Rio. Almost missed my flight on the way back. It was crazy. I still have to write about it. Oh almost goodness. missed the flight back. Uh, I had to hold the plane almost for us and then made it home. But those two extra days, you would think being stranded in Brazil is not a bad thing. But it right. was, I mean, it was crazy. We weren't even in like Rio. We were in, I don't know what it's called. Victoria, I think it was. Um, and yeah, it was just the fact that you landed somewhere you didn't head to. Like, I was just like, <laughs> what? Where are we? Right. And so that was the that was the craziest part. And then running out of money in in, in um Havana was pretty funny. Um, until it wasn't funny. Right. And I was at the airport thinking I couldn't get on the plane. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have any more money. Um, because it was cute until I got to the to the airport and right. found out I was in the wrong terminal and didn't have enough money to get to the next terminal and check my bags and right. so i'm like do i walk and it's like it's a mile away i'm like well can i power walk like how can i get to the next terminal <laughs> without any money it was crazy i tried to run my car like it was bananas i made it out it turns out i did not have to check my bag so i was okay but right. yeah that whole thing when you're counting coins to pay people that that's when it gets real oh that is absolutely when it gets real because the same thing happened to me in vietnam actually I uh, lost my passport in Vietnam. Oh, dear. Okay. So I got to and I was at the <laughs> airport waiting to, to head out to go to the Philippines. And I'm just stone cold chilling. Like, I'm just like, yeah, just waiting for my flight. And first of all, the um, airline switched. Um, they switched my ticket from between airlines. So mm -hmm. I had already missed my flight. Didn't even know it. Uh, I get up to the counter to ask about it and they're asking for um, my passport or what have you. So now I'm panicking and I look like, I know I look like I'm doing the Macarena about, <laughs> because I just can't find this passport. So I step out of line. I'm like tearing apart my luggage and I can't find it. So now I'm like, shit, like I lost my passport. So I'm, I'm literally freaking out. So I called my parents using, wait for it, AIM. I was oh, wow. texting my parents. Yes, I was smooth in 1996 with that. Um, oh, wow. Texting my parents using AIM um, to let them know like they needed to send all of my travel documents to like the U.S. Embassy because I might need to get a new passport. Um, this woman was nice enough to let me use her um, international BlackBerry to call the embassy um, mm -hmm. to set up an appointment to get an emergency passport, which, by the way, friends, it's like three hundred dollars to get one. Oh, wow. Um, and you might okay. have to stay at the embassy for like eight hours waiting for them to sort of work through getting all of these things and verifying who you are and everything like that. So and and I am on the struggle bus as far as money is concerned. Like 
seriously and this was on the struggle getting bus. another flight like exactly <laughs> like i had to convince a woman that the reason that i missed my flight is because they didn't send me an email informing me that they switched airlines so how was i supposed to know anyway and they right. took pity on me and switched my flight for two days out so i had to like go back to the hostel where i was staying and i walk in and the woman's like you just left <laughs> it was like i'm <laughs> I'm back. So oh I put God. my things in. She's like, you want the same room? Can I? Can I please? <laughs> so I put my things in there and I'm like heading out and I'm trying to like retrace my steps. Like, where the hell were you? Like, find your passport. So I'm walking back to the taxi stall where I booked it. And I specifically booked with STA Travel um, mm-hmm. using their their particular taxi stand. And the guy comes running down the street towards me and he's like, you. And I'm like, I swear to God, I didn't do it. Like, I literally stopped and put my hands up. Like, <laughs> like I didn't do anything, man. Listen. And he's like, I have your passport. And I was like, no, you do. Oh, my gosh. Like, how? It, the cab driver came back because he knew, like, STA is official. So he just bought it back to the guy and was like, hopefully this person will be back by the way the reason that i left my passport in the cab was because the cab driver just pulled up to the curb got out of the cab and stood on the curb and talked to another cabbie while i was trying to drag all of my bags out of the car and he was just standing there and i was like no please just uh take your time like your nails like don't right Mm-mm, you don't hurt yourself i'm i got this i'm, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna take care of this don't even worry about it like i i thought oh, i was gonna no. die i i really thought i was gonna die i thought i was gonna have to stay in vietnam forever and i didn't speak the language it was, it was that is the worst because you can't even say what you're trying to say ex- i have to admit like i did go like full on american and i i went loud and slow like i re- <laughs> I, I have to admit that I did do that. I was like, I need to risk. <laughs> That's how it is. You start doing sign language. Nobody understands that. No one understands. You're like, what? That was me at the airport <laughs> in, in uh, Brazil. Like, and they're like, what? I'm like, okay, you don't understand what I'm saying. Never right. Mind. And they're looking at you like you're crazy because you look crazy. Because you look crazy. Yeah. You look absolutely crazy. It's like when people come to me speaking Spanish, they think I'm Dominican. I'm like, I'm not Dominican. And I kind of <laughs> know what you're saying, but I'm sorry, mommy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't I don't respond. <laughs> sorry. So, yeah. That's it's hilarious. hilarious. When yes. you're back and you're safe, it's fun. When you're there, you're like, I'm never coming back to America. I'm going to be stuck forever. Right. I'm going to be stuck here forever. Forever. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's you know, a little, a little heart attack never hurt anyone ever (laughs) hilarious um so what would be your like dream trip or dream destination like the amount of time the place all of it oh i never thought about that actually i mean there's there's like there's bucket list places i have like i want to go to greece i want to go to mykonos Mm -hmm. um i want to go to bali solo specifically by myself um i want to um but a dream trip I don't any a dream for me because the thing is I like to explore because it's interesting. Mm-hmm. But what I really like to do is relax, and so a dream trip for me is going to a place that has a beach, great weather, amazing food, and I can just relax on the beach and listen to great music for mm-hmm. like at least a week. And that's not really hard. It sounds real extra simple. Like I'm supposed to say like, oh, I want to go to Egypt and go to the pyramids. Like right. those are things that like I feel like I can do. 
But my dream trip is just to be unbothered on a beach. Like, I love that. I love water. Like, it's my, it makes me, it calms me down. It focuses mm-hmm. me. Um, and if I can do that repeatedly for days without interruption, um, to me, that's a dream trip. Now, the good thing is you can get that in a lot of places. You right. can do that in Thailand. You can do that. It doesn't have to be the Caribbean. There's tons of places where you can make that happen. And so, you know, my dream for myself would be that I can continue to experience that for the rest of my life in different mm-hmm. places. Cool. That's a very that's that's a very interesting and lovely answer. Yeah, <laughs> and I love though. that answer. Yeah, like I just want to be able to like I know what type of trip I want to craft, and I just want to repeatedly be able to craft I that trip. Do that. It does not end. You yeah. know, if I can make it happen this year, I'm gonna do it. If I can do it again next year, I'll do it again. But there's no one place that that has that. I can do that a lot of different places. You know, so that's just who I am. That's such a lovely answer. Like, I, I love that answer forever. Like, do you write? Like, you seem like you're a writer. I don't know. It's such a wonderful way to do that. Hilarious. <laughs> um, so what would be, like, your top three travel tips for, for folks? And I, and I guess, I don't know if you necessarily want to um, kind of separate them out for if you're traveling with a group or versus traveling solo dolo. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's up to you. No, I think a lot of it's the same. I think number one is, is plan ahead. So I think that a lot of people, the barrier is money, right? So mm-hmm. I say that start saving, know where you're going. So set up a travel fund, start depositing money every two weeks before you even have an idea where you're going. Because that, mm-hmm. that way we will have some money when you're ready. Um, the second thing I would say is to choose your travel crew wisely. Um, I think that... <laughs> Traveling with the wrong person can 100% ruin your trip. Right. Um, I've been lucky enough to travel with some awesome people. Uh, a lot of them are my friends. Uh, some of them are people I met because they were friends of a friend, and now we're all travel homies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that a mediocre city or destination can be awesome or awful, depending on who you're with. Right. And so I think it's really important to choose whether it's one person or 20 people or 100 people. Uh, choose your crew wisely because you don't want to be with that girl who's like, oh, my God, I don't eat that. Oh, my God, look at this bed. Oh, my God. Oh my God. And you're like, <laughs> I want to kill myself because you won't shut up. Right. So that's not the girl to travel with. She may be a dope, long-time Y'all go back to like elementary school and y'all are great back home. But like you learn that you travel well with certain people mm-hmm. um, and just, just, yeah, if you want to invite somebody, invite the friend you feel like you could do anything with, including being lost and your passport's lost. And I don't know where we just landed and what is we going to do? Right. That's the girl you bring with you. Cause she's not going to freak out. Right. Um, so think about that. And the third would be, um, I really stress just putting on in your calendar, like just, just don't wait till the perfect week, the perfect opportunity, perfect amount of money. Like just put it on your calendar, decide this week I'm going to reward my life by going somewhere, mm-hmm. put it there. And then from there, you'll start planning towards it with everything else. I just said, you'll put money in the bank. You'll schedule the vacation days around it, like whatever. And it could be next year. It doesn't have to be like next month, right? Um, but put it on your calendar, make it real. And then from there, you'll do what you got to do. Hustle, beg, beg your husband to, you know, give you some money, whatever you guys do to make it happen. But you'll right. do it because it's real now, so, you know, and, and everybody didn't use a calendar, but I found that putting things in my calendar makes them happen. So makes it feel um, real. Those are the, yeah, it, it does make it feel real. Um, so that's probably, that's probably it. Yeah, be open-minded. You know, there's, I never thought that Zambia, which is what I went to last year, would be probably, if not 
the number one, one of the top three experiences I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. It was literally an add-on. I was like, oh, I'm going to be in South Africa. Maybe I'll stop by Zambia. Victoria Falls is nearby. And it was a one, like barely two day trip. And that I jumped off the Victoria Falls bridge, oh my um, God. did a bridge swing. And it was the most <laughs> exhilarating experience I've ever had in my entire life right. by far. Like nothing even comes close to that day. And it was totally just a curiosity, like, oh, this is nearby. Let me just, you know, I spent a little extra money on the flight and, and the, the trip. I think the jump itself was like a hundred and something dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no price on how that felt, like nothing. Right. Um, so just never feel like um, not knowing about a place mm-hmm. um, shouldn't keep you from going. Because I knew nothing about Zambia except for the fact that it was, you know, had the world's largest waterfall there. Right, right. And I went for one day, you know, and the experience is something I will absolutely never forget. Yeah, how could you forget almost dying for play play? Like, just, like I just threw myself off the bridge, mom, because everyone else was yeah. doing it. I literally Perfectly did good it, mom. bridge. Nothing wrong with it, and I jumped <laughs> off of it. Yeah, absolutely. So, I want to ask you. Uh, we're we're going to wrap up, so I have two more questions for you. The first is when you think of sort of all of your travel, what do you think of as your perfect like travel song? Like, if you had to have travel theme music, what would it be? Gosh, what popped in my head is that song Unwritten, which is totally not the type of music I listen to. <laughs> I do not listen to Teeny Bopper like pop, but like, like feel the rain on your skin. Like the song is unwritten. Like that is something that's like, it's kind of how I believe. Like your life is what you make it. You know, yep. there's no script that's written for you already, right? Like Absolutely. next week can be what you want it to be. Um, and I think people feel like they're stuck in whatever situations they're in. And some things, yes, you can't just hop out of a marriage or hop out of a job or hop out of, you know, whatever. You're bored with your life and you don't have to be bored forever. So I think that, mm-hmm. you know, the next chapter in your life is not written yet. And I think that breaking out of that mentality um, allows you to feel like you can do anything. So when I'm traveling, um, I do have an open mind. I don't plan on every single day. I leave time to kind of explore and enjoy myself um, because it's, it's a very carefree attitude. Everybody mm-hmm. can't travel like that. But that's kind of how I roll. Absolutely. Um, I just want to take it in day by day. So that's sort of if I had to pick one song that's close to it. Um, but when I'm traveling, I do pick sort of positive songs mm-hmm. and um and also listen to local stuff. Like, I don't always listen to, like, I can hear Jay-Z back home. So right, I'm right. there. I can listen to Samba in Brazil or listen to Soka in Trinidad, you know, get into what's there. Um, but Unwritten is probably close to, I guess, an anthem, if you will. I heard that song a couple of days ago, and I was like, what happened to Natasha Benning? Yeah. She was like, actually great. Huh. Yeah, no, I that's... Know, like, one hit. I don't know. I don't barely know who she is. I just know there was a song from, like, a show... <laughs> It was like the song for the show and I liked it. And But that's the philosophy behind it. It's kind of awesome. Absolutely. So the last question that I want to ask you is the signature question of my podcast. And that is, what's the best advice that you have never taken? The best advice I have never taken. Yep. Um, I think what advice I've been given. Like, I don't know what <laughs> advice has somebody given me. Um... <clears throat> I wish that, you know, a lot of people tell you to take more risks Mm -hmm. and I wish I had done that. I'd done more of that. I feel like I got into travel, not late, you know, I'm in my mid thirties, but I feel like 
if I started in my mid twenties, mm-hmm. like imagine the things I could have seen, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that I had the same restrictions um, that I'm talking about. Like I didn't have that much money and who's going to go with me. Um, and I feel like I wish that I had just taken more risks and, and started traveling earlier. I had cousins that kind of told me, Oh, you got to start, you know, going seeing stuff. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to Bahamas. But like, right, I didn't right. think about going to like Thailand or like, somewhere around the world because I just you know didn't see it a lot um, mm-hmm. and didn't think I could at that time for whatever reason or it just sounds irresponsible like who who's to tell me to spend multiple paychecks just hanging out you know across the across the world like right. that sounds crazy right. and I do wish that you know as I get older and I do have more responsibilities I, I think that I will probably travel less and I wish that started earlier um, so if that's one thing I think that I wish I'd taken more risks um, back when I had, you know, a little bit more yellow time, mm-hmm. <laughs> then, um, but I'm still going to do it. You know, I don't think there's any age on, on traveling. I mean, I, there are people I know who are in their sixties and seventies who are doing it, you know? Absolutely. So I think it doesn't matter how old you are. Um, but I do think that I wish I'd taken, I just started doing crazy things like jumping on bridges and <laughs> things like that. And I wish I started a little sooner, um, because uh, gosh, the things I could have done in the past 10 years, it would have been awesome. Absolutely. So Tracy, um, where can people find you if they if they want to follow your travels and your adventures? Um, I'm everywhere. So if you want to actually read about my stories and come along with me in the places I've been, you go to brooklyntraveladdict.com. If you want to see some pictures of where I've been, because you don't want to (laughs) read, you can go to Instagram on BK Travel Addict. Um, And if you want to just kind of keep up with what I'm doing, where I'm going next, I'm on Facebook at um, facebook.com slash BK Travel Addict. Or if you want to search it, it's Brooklyn Travel Addict. And occasionally I'll um, snap or do a Periscope live feed or something like that or tweet. Um, But most of my activities on Facebook and Instagram. Awesome. Tracy, thank you so much for being on Reluctantly Adult. I really appreciate you sharing your story and sharing your tips and just sort of being a delight uh, as a guest on my show. I really appreciate it. Oh, shoot. I'm delightful. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Thank you. No, this is awesome. I love talking about traveling and just my hope is that someone listening to this is like, oh, well, maybe I'll try it. Awesome. Thanks. And that's it. I really appreciate Tracy being a guest on Reluctantly Adult. Uh, We really had a lot of fun recording uh, the episode. Uh, She gave really, really great insight. Um, I think my number one takeaway is, you know, just choose a place to go and attach a real date to it so that it's real in your mind and so that you have that as your focus. The other thing is, you know, if you're very conscious about money and the cost of a trip, Try to save up using, um, you know, putting away small amounts of money uh, each time you get paid into a travel savings account that's a little bit difficult to get access to because that way it's the whole concept of out of sight, out of mind. And finally, keep a travel journal. It can be really helpful uh, to put a little bit more context around some of the things that you experience and you know it it keeps the memories that that you that you have a little more robust in your mind and it ensures that they stay a little bit more special to you if you're interested in following tracy's travels and her adventures uh you can follow her on her blog at uh, www.brooklyntraveladdict.com 
uh, or you can follow her on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BK Travel Addict, and that's A D D I C T. So tell me what you thought. Uh, you can leave a comment for this episode on the website at www.ireluctantlyadult.com, or you can follow me on Instagram at ireluctantlyadult or on Twitter at reluctantlyadlt. You can also leave me an email at ireluctantlyadult at gmail.com. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and you can also rate it there. You can also now sign up for an awesome monthly newsletter that I'm going to be starting this month on the website. So I'm going to be sending out a cool newsletter that everyone can sign up for because that's the cool new thing to do. If you have a podcast, you must have a newsletter. So I have a newsletter now. So sign up for it. Check it out. Um, Thank you to Christopher Davis for my intro and my outro music. Uh, if you really like his music that I that I have on the podcast, you can check him out on SoundCloud um, under CRD Music. Uh, his username is CRD128. Uh, also, thank you to Ken Griffin for my incredibly dope logo. And thank you to all of you for listening. Uh, I hope you really enjoyed this episode and I'll see you next time. Thanks.